romance friends. Welcome to Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I gush and go on and on at length about my favorite romantic books, TV shows, and movies. On a special theme each episode and without embarrassment or shame, mostly. This is Poppy. In today's episode, a little announcement and a quick take on Gentleman Jack. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you probably realize that the episodes have gotten longer and longer, just a bit, a bit more complicated, interspersed with interviews and loads of film clips. This podcast is a labor of love. Emphasis on love, but also emphasis on labor. There's a lot of reading and watching and editing that goes into each episode, and I've gotten a bit exhausted lately. I live with a chronic illness and realize that after almost two years of bi-monthly episodes, I need to take a bit of a breather from time to time. So I'll be interspersing my longer episodes with quick takes. Shorter episodes featuring something I'm thinking about, watching, or reading. First up, oh, this is fun. The BBC HBO co-production, Gentleman Jack. I don't know what took me so long to finally watch this amazing show about queer love and relationships set in a kind of alternate Regency period. It's one that embraces an LGBTQ plus world. It premiered in 2019, but the second series has just debuted. The first thing I noticed right out of the gate was the commanding energy of Saran Jones as Ann Lister, a.k.a. Gentleman Jack. It's a bit feminine, her energy, a bit masculine, a combination that makes a third thing that is so compelling and sexy, intelligent, and strong. As you see her topping her skirts with a mostly black waistcoat, cravat, greatcoat, and top hat over her bun in the opening credits, you know you're in for something completely different, and it's really thrilling. Is it wise to collect the rents? I think it would be unwise not to. We'd be hard up. No, you. I mean you. Do you never, ever worry about what things look like? It's all well and good being different in York or Paris. Well, this is Halifax. People talk. And it isn't always very nice. People are saying you drove the high flyer back from Whipsy the other day. And? Well, did you? Because it's all over Halifax. Someone had to. They've had cholera in Whipsy. I wasn't going to hang around. And anyway, why shouldn't I collect my rents if no one else can? Because it's a man's job. Oh, yes, that came for you. Is it Mrs. Lawton's handwriting? Does she know about what happened in Hastings? Did you fall out with your... Miss Hobart.
Excuse me. The direction by Sally Wainwright is so witty and knowing and kind of sly. She wrote this tight, dramatic script adapted from the diaries of landowner and industrialist Anne Lister, mostly written in secret code detailing a lifetime of lesbian relationships. This show is so self-aware and confident Anne is a character who's going to take what she needs and damn the societal consequences, which is a big thing for the era in which she lives. The ensemble acting of her more conventional family, the servants, the tenants, the neighbors, it's all incredible. It amplifies the tone in the coolest way. This story definitely has a sort of Middlemarch vibe, like a tiny sweep of humanity in a 19th century English industrial region vibe. But to watch Anne drive a carriage or eat, commanding the horses, the food, shoveling the bread and the butter into her mouth as she sizes up her meal companions, it's something else. If she'd lived in modern times, Restaurants that serve your meals in a sizzling skillet would have been the perfect visual for this character. Anne can deal with any problem. Sick horses, sick servants, a parochial family and tenants, all with knowledge and compassion. But don't try to push her around. Y'all, this scene ends with her inches away from this tenant's face. What I'm saying is... I understand what you're saying. At the state of the roost last time, last January, I agreed a price of £48 for Captain Lister that we both felt was near at mark. But the rent isn't negotiable, Sowden. So if last January you managed to browbeat my father... <laughs> browbeat? ...into agreeing a lower price, then you've only managed to fool yourself into believing that that's acceptable, because it isn't. Yeah, but until those roofs are fixed. Well, why aren't they fixed? If this was a problem in January, why do the roofs remain unfixed? It's your responsibility. It's in your lease that you are responsible for the maintenance of the building. And presumably, Captain Lister only agreed to a lower price on a temporary footing in January so that you can spend the remaining £2 on repairs to the roofs as our contribution to the costs. That was my understanding of the agreement. I'll come and look at your roofs myself tomorrow, and we can agree what needs doing then. But in the meantime, the rent, as per the lease, is £50. <laughs> Just hang on. My yes. rents, Zowden, are calculated fairly, and meticulously fairly at that. They're not arrived at randomly. No one is expected to pay more than his fare, just as I wouldn't expect to take more than his fare. Now, if you want to be treated fairly, you will treat me fairly, and you will respect the terms of your lease. There's no shortage of good men looking for land and property to rent and who will be perfectly prepared to work both to full advantage without all of this nonsense. The choice is yours. Either way works for me. I've only got £48 on me. And then you owe me two. Plus the arrays from January, which, if it is used to mend the roofs, if that was the agreement... I won't collect, but I will expect to see the repairs done to my satisfaction within an agreed time limit, all of which I will discuss with you and your family tomorrow morning when I visit you first thing.
come a time when tenants thought landlords off land. You know that, don't you? Well then, Sowden. When the time comes, us landlords must make sure we give as good as we get. You know what? Ann Lister gives me a competency boner. Yes, she does. You can tell that she's deeply caring, but also no-nonsense and direct, which was not the way of socialized British womanhood of the time. Anne does those fleabag-style asides to the camera. And I love those ironic commentaries, especially in a period drama. It's not like Phoebe Waller-Bridge invented breaking the fourth wall, but is shorthand for that tone, and seeing it in a period costume drama is so delightful. I will definitely feature this show in an upcoming longer episode because there is so much goodness to unpack. I tell you these things because I care about you. Because I love you. And because there's probably no one else that would. Let's go and live in Paris. Leave Charles. Why are you always on the run, Fred? That's an interesting way of looking at it. I've often wondered if you're running and not traveling. From what? All the scrapes I've been in. From a world that only sees how odd you are and not how clever you are. I think the only thing I've ever really been running from is the banal. (laughs) Banality and mediocrity are the only things that have ever really frightened me. Fred, I can't run the gauntlet like you can. I don't have your genius for people, for running rings around polite society, persuading everyone that black is white or pink, or whatever colour you choose it to be. If and when you do find someone, someone who will defy the lot of them and make a conspicuous commitment to you, well, then she'll be a very special and particular kind of person. I just... I worry that person just doesn't exist. Not in this life. podcast, I hope you'll support me by telling a friend about it, throwing me a tip, or writing me a review. I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.